Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Uh, Everybody, we got a long way to go here before we get to uh, the rest of the day. So I want to get moving. I want to get moving in a good way. I would love it if you would turn in your Bible to the book of 2 Peter. Uh, We've been teaching on that since uh, like August. And we're going to make it through the end. These three chapters, we've looked at every week, week by week, and we're not making it to the end. And so what we do here, I know there's some guests here today. Welcome. We're thrilled that you're here. What we do in this part of the service is I want to just open a portion of the Bible to you and want to try my best to teach you what the Bible meant on the day it was written and what it means to the people that are here living right now trying to figure out what to do in this crazy world. That's what we're going to do together. And uh, the message, uh, the series of messages that we've been doing has been called Get Rich Quick. And today is about uh, waiting. I remember kind of vividly, um, you probably do too, do you remember the moment when it crystallized to you uh, in March of 2020 that like something was really happening? Do you remember that? Like, I don't know how you experienced it, but it was, for me, it was the moment they, uh, this is going to make me sound very, whatever, I don't know, okay, but when they said they weren't going to have the March Madness basketball tournament, they were just going to cancel it, I was like, oh, wait, so this is like real. Like something is like really happening. It didn't, it wasn't like when school was canceled or it wasn't like any of those other things. That was the moment I was like, oh, something. Who remembers what, like the moment you realize like something's really happening here. And then it, and then it like moved. And I remember what, uh, oh, a couple of weeks or a week maybe into that, realizing uh, we're in a season of waiting right now. And so I guess we better make good use of it. Like there's nothing I can do to change the situation that we're in. So I should use and do something with it. Um, I remember this, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a weather um, conspiracy theorist, I guess. Like, I sort of feel like now people use the weather forecast to try to scare people more than they end up being, you know, like that, it's coming soon. You, we're coming to that season again. If you leave home tonight, you will die. You know, it's kind of like the vibe that they give you. And so there's a moment that happens every year or two or whatever when you realize a snow day isn't just theoretical, it's really happening. And if a snow day's really happening, then okay, there's something we could do to change that. So the kids are gonna be home and we're gonna be, and we're gonna have to shovel, and we're gonna have to, so it's time to figure out, we're gonna be waiting for life to start up again, we better do something with it. Uh, this happens sometimes if, uh, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you show up someplace early, like the dentist or the doctor, and you're like, okay, so I'm gonna be sitting here in this room for like the next 30 minutes. Uh, and I thank God I don't have to read the magazines because I have a phone in my pocket. And so I'm going to, but I, I'm waiting. So there's something I can do while I'm waiting. This is the point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to. And what I've learned uh, is that how we wait often shows if we understand what we're waiting for. How we wait shows if we understand what we're waiting for. This is true um, about the way that we proceed through that frustrating season, if you've been through it, of being engaged, waiting to be married is the way that I wait kind of shows if I understand what it is that I'm waiting for. If I'm all like stressed and worried and uh, I, uh, Kristen and I, one of the things, we like to watch the British baking show. 
I don't know if any of you ever watched that. It is like, the, can I, do I have anybody, any witnesses in the room? Okay, it's good. I didn't see a single um, dude, but okay. So <laughs> I've, I don't know if you ever watched the show, but I find it to be like the most calming, pleasant, sweet thing in the universe. Everybody's like so nice. And even when everything's a disaster, they all hug each other. It's like what I need is it's very calming. All this is to say, the people who know what they're doing when they're baking don't open the oven every 30 seconds to see, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? I gave all those illustrations to try to help us get our heads around. This is what Peter is going after in 2 Peter chapter 3 and the last section in verse 11, starting in verse 11. So if you were with us last time, we talked about how he made this big point that the earth is going to end. And when the earth ends, the, the sky is going to burn up and judgment day is coming. And it's this kind of like feels like this beginning of one of those scenes in a Will Smith movie where like the whole world is about to end. What should we do? And he says this starting in verse 11. He says, so, so since all these things are going to be dissolved, so like because we know now that eventually life is going to end, since we know all these things are going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? What kind of person should I be in lives of holiness and, and godliness? I'm waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I got a few things, observations that'll help us, I think, wait well. First one is this, we can watch while we wait. We can watch while we wait. He's saying, so look, because your time is short, because your time is short, we gotta make good use of it. So since you know that everything's gonna be burned up, he says, What's the way I'm supposed to live? What's the way I'm supposed to act in terms of godliness and holiness? Because I can wait, but also, he says there, this word blew me away when I studied it. Do you see it there in the middle of verse 12? He says that you can hasten the coming of the day of God. You can make it come sooner. That word originally there, hasten, in the Greek that this is written in, has the idea of to hurry or to quicken or to cause to happen sooner. We have the ability, by the way that we wait, to bring Jesus Christ back sooner. I don't know if that's, it feels sooner because of the way that we're waiting. I don't know if that's like somehow in God's sovereignty. We talked about that recently, like, because he lives outside of time. Something about the way that we pray and the way that we act and the way that we operate and the things that we do makes the whole thing happen sooner. I, I think what he's getting at is there's a difference between passively waiting and actively waiting. Do we know the difference? I think that's what he's getting at. So uh, I spent some years in my life uh, ministering to young adults in church. And young adults in church are like kind of usually, and I don't mean this in any critical way, kind of equally interested in learning more about Jesus and trying to find someone to fall in love with when they're at church. And there's just kind of this overlap, and, and that's okay. I mean, what do, what do you want them to go, a bar? What are you judging them for? Like, come on, guys, come on, come on. But they're kind of equally, and I used to talk a lot in that time about the difference between passively waiting for a partner and actively waiting for a partner. You know, like there's a difference between I'm doing my best to be my best self and to honor God and to go places and to, to meet people and to develop relationships and I'm trusting, and I'm, but I'm doing all the stuff that I know how to do while I'm waiting for God to bring the right person. 
that's totally different than some of the fellas that I used to minister to who were kind of like, I just kind of go downstairs and get that Madden on. And then I just figure when God wants the right girl to come along, you know, she'll just kind of come wandering down the stairs and it's all going to happen. We know the difference between passively waiting and actively waiting. Uh, actively waiting on God is what I think Peter's aiming for here. Actively waiting on God first means trusting him more. Actively waiting on God means I can say that I believe God has a good plan even while I'm waiting for him to reveal it. I can say, God, whatever's broken in my life right now isn't broken because of you. It's broken because of sin. And I can't like put all the pieces together in this second. I can't like make it all make sense. But actively waiting on God is trusting him more. Actively waiting on God is also obeying him more. The part that we can control while we're waiting, we're waiting for a prayer that we're praying about our finances. We're waiting for the doctor to call with news that's going to change everything and we don't know what the doctor is going to say. We're waiting for, am I ever going to heal from that thing that happened? There's a lot of waiting. But while we're waiting, right, I can keep growing in, yeah, but you know what I'm doing? I'm getting my Bible open. You know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm getting on my knees and praying. You know what I'm doing? I'm, I'm getting not just one glove, but two gloves into that thing at church because I want to do whatever I can do. I'm, I'm going to keep using that joke, so you're going to get so sick of it because I'm just going to keep using it. We can see what I'm saying, right? I can obey more in every way I know how I'm going to obey God while I'm waiting for the thing over here. A three, while I'm waiting on God, I can share more with those around me what God is doing in my life. Who, uh, by show of hands in the room, who by show of hands in the room has people they talk to in their life regularly who don't know Jesus? Who has people in their life that they talk to regularly that don't know Jesus? Most of us and then the people who won't raise their hands even if I was saying I got a winning Powerball ticket to give away. I know, I got it. We think often that our lives going really well is what is like attractive to the people around us that don't know Jesus. We think our kids being impressive or having that right car, having everything figured out. We think that that's what's impressive, but honestly, being willing to wait for God when we don't understand him, that's the vulnerable thing that the people who don't know Jesus around us actually are gonna pay attention to. We've been through this before, but I'll just pause on it before we get back to the text. Um, I think most people kind of think that we believe in Jesus because our lives are good. And then they're kind of wondering, like, I wonder what will happen when they don't get their way. Like, I wonder what will happen when, like, the cancer stays instead of going away. Will they still believe? It's that thing. That's all under this heading of actively waiting on God. So he says, so just so we're clear, I thought I could uh, do this with this jacket on, but it's simply too warm. Avert your eyes. Thank you. The coat always seems like a good idea at like 5.30 in the morning, and then it just gets too hot. So he says here, verse 12 and 13, we are waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. When the day of God comes, the heavens will be set on fire and dissolve. The heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. A lot of people of faith, get this, are too concerned about figuring out when specifically 
that's all going to happen. And not enough about living for Jesus right here while we're here right now. So this is in the news, and we're thinking about it right now. This is, uh, I'm sure, in various ways you're following, uh, there's this, this conflict um, happening in Israel. And there's this war that's breaking out. And a lot of people, if I can just gently, before they get to, there's real human beings who are being hurt and killed and who are fearful and who don't know and who didn't cause any of this problem and who are no more moral, frankly, than you or me, but just were born in that place instead of this place. Before they get to there's individual people, they like run over to their Bible and like, can I find a thing in here that I can like draw a map to that means Jesus is going to come back by Christmas, so maybe I can just run up my credit card for Christmas because if he's come back, I probably won't have to pay it. And they get all excited about maybe this is the end, right? So, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Is this conflict in Israel part of the end times? Maybe it is, but every time the Bible talks about that the uh, end times are coming, it's not to get us all excited about trying to figure out what that's all going to be like. It's to make us circumspect to think, well, if Jesus is coming back soon, it's probably time to apologize to my sister and just work it out. If Jesus is coming back soon, I really like should probably get over to my neighbor's house and be like, hey, just so you know, I know the way to heaven, and like, I would love to tell you about it. Like, if, if we don't have that much more time... We gotta do something with the time that we got. And uh, I just, you just gotta know, friends, that when things like this happen on the news, I'll just, some of the things that I have on my phone right now are uh, a picture of a guy who is the brother of someone in this church who is fighting in Israel right now. And I have on my phone somebody that uh, last night contacted me, a family who had a church that they were leading in with, of Palestinian Christians that they've been evacuated and they're coming to Chicago and they don't have a place to stay or a car to drive. Okay, so get ready. We're gonna get working on that one. And I have a list here uh, of name after name after name of known hostages being held in Gaza right now. More than I can fit. You know, like when you scroll up and it's more than you can fit on your screen at the same time. And every one of these people has the same image of God in them as you and I have. And God loves every one of these people the same way that we do. And rather than put those political glasses on that cause us to have to understand the macro, I just want to encourage us to say, if it's all going to be dissolved, if it, what we got to do is do what we can to pay attention to the people around us. There's a, uh, yesterday I went um, on behalf of all of us, there's a wonderful little uh, church of Messianic Christians, so Jewish people who believe in Jesus in Long Grove, not too far from here. And I went up and brought a prayer and uh, a check on all of our behalf to them to say, we see you. People are what matters to God so significantly. So if we're waiting, we want to be waiting well. We want to watch and pay attention while we wait. All right, so I got some more verses to take us through. Um, verse 14, he says this, therefore, beloved, since you're waiting for these, okay? So, beloved, we talked about that list. He says, not like I'm trying to lecture you, like I love you. Like, dear friend, because you're waiting for the end, be diligent to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Just as our beloved brother Paul 
also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. We can watch while we wait. We can also work while we wait, he's saying. He's clearly pointing there in verse 14, Peter is, at the Old Testament sacrificial system, the idea that if you want to bring a sacrifice to God, you don't bring like the worst thing in the flock, you bring the most perfect thing that you can find. And he's saying, we're supposed to be like that. Be diligent. Okay, we know what that word means. It means work hard, pay attention, do whatever you can. Be diligent to be found without spot or blemish and at peace. While we're waiting, we are to be growing more into the likeness of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be like, hey, cool, great news. I got it. I found out who Jesus is. So here's the great news. I can just kind of like cruise from here, and it doesn't matter what I do or how I act or who I sleep with or what I do with my money or, or how, like, how much I kind of fall into the system of the world or how badly I treat the people around me. None of that matters because I know that I'm going to heaven and it's all cool. No, he says, no, no, because you're waiting, that means that you have time to be diligent to be without spot or blemish and at peace. And then he gets into this other thing, which I love, verse 15. He says, now, come here, Austin, for just a second. He, uh, he says in verse 15, he says, we're counting the patience of the Lord as the reason that we know that we have salvation. Uh, Austin is my uh, partner here at the church. Uh, we work together closely. And he's an excellent young man. Everything I've ever seen that God has entrusted to him, he has served with excellence and done something great with it. But would he say that he is without spot or blemish? No, no, we would not say that. No, we would not say that. There's physical things that aren't perfect. Uh, there are emotional things, things that you're thinking about, sins that you're committing, struggles that you're falling into. So he's saying, look, we wanna be diligent to reach the goal. The goal is to be without spot and blemish. But you know the awesome news? Even though you're not going to reach it. So we're striving for a goal that we're never going to reach. But here's the awesome news. The reason that we know that we can count that we will still have salvation is the patience of the Lord. You've got to get all that clear in your mind. So we're striving to reach the goal. We know that we'll never reach the goal of being without spot or without blemish. But the reason why we know that God isn't going to give on us is that we're not trusting in our perfection but the patience of a God who loved us right where we were to begin with. Anybody thankful to hear that in church today? So we can get to work while we wait. Now he points at Paul, and I love this because Peter's like, hey, I'm like a fisherman. So just so we're clear, when I read some of the other stuff in the Bible, I, I kind of find it tricky to understand too. That's what he's saying. Look at your Bible, verse 15 and 16. He's like, that guy, Paul, uh, you know, the stuff that he writes down, I, I'm going to be honest, man, it's, it's from God. But I find it a little tricky to understand. Anybody willing to say, I've found the Bible tricky to understand a time or two in my life? This is your guy. Peter's like, I'm just a normal dude. I'm just plain spoken. But here's what I know. Foolish people try to twist what is challenging to their own designs. And it's this idea of grace being free. We can work to become like Christ while we wait. I want to just speed up so we get done on time. Now, the next part... Uh, Verse 17, he says, now you, beloved, again, you know that it's an important conversation when you keep hearing the person reiterate how much he loves the person he's talking to. He says, you, beloved, now, you know this beforehand. 
You know that people try to twist the scripture to confuse you. Don't get carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Beautiful. So how do you, uh, that's my third thing I wrote down, don't wobble while you wait. That word there, stability, is the idea of a fixed position or being in safety. He's saying, make sure that you don't get so worked up about the foolish people out there that you lose track and get a little confused yourself. Has anybody, uh, have you ever fallen into that? Anybody ever fallen into that watching the news too much thing? Or, Or spending too much time like scrolling on your phone? So you can like feel it now. We're just getting close to being a year away from a presidential election. And you can just feel it. The news, it's getting louder and it's everywhere. And what he's trying to say is there are people of faith who get so worked up about what that guy does or that guy says or that girl does. Like the only thing we agree on is they're all too old and everything else we disagree on about everything is the one thing. Can I get a witness? They're all too old. They're all too old. They're all too old. In Jesus' name, amen. But you can get so worked up about all the things happening out here that you can lose track of the most important stuff. Can I just tell you today, uh, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. What's the way that we act with the foolishness of sin around us if we make sure that we don't lose track of the fact that the king of my heart is the king of this universe is in charge of it all? It doesn't mean that I don't feel empathy about the things happening in the news. It doesn't even mean that I don't maybe understand what's happening in the world. It just means that I don't. Do you have people around you? They're putting their whole hope in the political system. They're putting their whole hope in a a candidate or an issue or a thing they're trying to get done or a problem they're trying to solve, and it will always let you down. So he's saying, just, you know that lawless people and the foolishness of the world is trying to make you lose your stability. Don't wobble. You have to know what you're getting into. Uh, Safety requires planning. Safety requires planning. We work hard here at the church to make this a really safe place for kids. And so every person that ministers to kids goes through a background check. It's good. Every time one of those comes through, I say, praise the Lord. It's awkward. I wanted to volunteer. I couldn't pass it back. Every time one comes through, clear. You're like, praise the Lord. For all you got your records expunged or whatever in Jesus' name. But the people that are downstairs getting ready for coffee and everything. I was down there this morning. They're they're wearing gloves because we're getting into winter season. They want it to be sanitary and safe. Uh, before I coached football this year, I had to watch like a six-hour thing on how to spot someone, a young person, if they might have a concussion. Why? Because they don't want you in the middle of the game to try to decide if the kid has a concussion. They don't want you to look at someone who wants to serve with kids and be like, does this person look creepy? We, we plan for safety over here so that when the challenging moment comes, we rely on what we've planned, what we've prepared, what we've worked on. I think you understand. He's saying, you don't want to lose your stability, so know this beforehand. The foolishness of the world is going to try to get you off track. 
Don't allow it to. And then this is the last verse that Peter writes down. This is, as far as we know, the last thing that Peter ever wrote down that we can still read today, this last verse that says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We can worship while we wait. That's the fourth thing. Just think literally for a second about what he's saying in that verse there, verse 18. He says, to Jesus Christ, I want to offer glory. Glory is like uh, what tells you the significance of a person. So it could be how much money someone has in the bank or how many Instagram followers they possess or the kind of car that they drive or how well behaved their kids are or how many degrees that they have on papers on a wall. Glory is the thing that you're kind of using to keep score and the more glory, the better. Peter says, I want to give glory to Jesus Christ. He says, now. So Second Peter, depending on who you talk to, was probably written somewhere around 55 AD. That's, I don't know, 1958 years ago. I think I got that right. 1968 years ago, something like that. So in that day, 1968 years ago, he said, you know what I want? Until Jesus Christ returns, I want to give him glory. That's what I want. I want people to, in any way that they're keeping score, understand that Jesus has got the highest score. And then he says, until the day of eternity. The day of eternity, we haven't made it to that day yet. So he wrote that looking this way. I don't know if we've got three months, three years, Maybe we'll all be dead. Maybe with AI in 300 years, we'll all still be here and we'll still be waiting. Yeah. I don't know. But Peter's, this is awesome. He says, now here's the great news. He's given you a plan that is instructions until you get more instructions. We've, I've learned this with the kids that you can't give them instructions that expire with time because they just wait till the time and then go do their own thing. So like no video games until 6 p.m. just means at 6.01 they sprint down the stairs. So you have to go to no video games until I say different. Any witness parent in the room? Anybody? Yeah, okay, I got a few. Yeah, okay, thank you. He leaves us with instructions that have yet to expire. I find that pretty incredible. That through every person and every nation and translation and time through history that would read this letter, he's saying, your goal from now till the end is to give glory to Jesus Christ. The surest way to stay strong while I wait, the surest way to keep myself together while I wait is to honor the person that I'm waiting for. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I was picking up a guest speaker at the airport. Um, I guess that was the cue. Uh, it was these friends of mine, Israel and Rachel. They were here. They spoke over Labor Day weekend. They're these friends of mine. They were just here. And they were coming to town to help our new church. And I was going to pick them up at the airport. And it was like, have you ever been through one of these things where it was like their flight was going to land at 7.30 p.m. and I was going to be there. And I so didn't want to be late that it like, by the time their plane was supposed to land, I was already kind of circling. And... You know, parking, do you ever do that when you go to O'Hare, like you park and then that like lady comes out and screams at you, you gotta move your car and then you like pretend you don't hear and then she hits on the window and you're like, all right, I guess I gotta go. 
But I was like, these are my friends. I'm so honored and excited that they're coming to invest in our new church. I'm gonna pick them up myself. And then it was like the first round, uh, the plane is circling, you know, estimated landing time, 8.30 p.m. No problem. So I got out of the line, went and got a coffee and talked on the phone, just waiting, waiting, waiting. And then it was like, uh, it was like uh, another one. Now it's gonna be nine o'clock. And you're like starting to get a little nervous. And then it, if I remember this, then it was, they had to land somewhere else, but then somehow or another, they were gonna like land somewhere else and then they had to switch something and they were gonna get back up in the air and they were gonna get here. And when they landed, my friend sent me a text that was like, hey, it's looking like it's gonna be late. Like if you want us to take an Uber to the hotel, no problem. But I don't know who's on this list in your life. I was like, no, like my friends are coming to town. I am so honored that they're coming to invest in our new church. If it's another coffee or another whatever, I'm gonna be there when the plane lands. And you, some of you know me well, some of you don't, but I'm, I, anything past about 9.30 p.m., it's like 50-50 if I'm gonna be awake at the end of a sentence, even if I'm talking. It's just kind of the way it rolls for me. And, but it was getting delayed and delayed. And I think the plane finally landed about close to midnight. And when they walked out, I was sitting right there and I was ready because I cared about the person that I was waiting for. And so nothing was going to get me to change course or change the plan. And I don't know where you are today. Uh, some days I go through, I could be like really fine if Jesus just came and ended all this stuff and we went to meet him face to face. There's lots of things I got left that I want to do and lots of goals that I want to accomplish and things that I want to see happen and people that I want to see come to faith. But like for myself, I, man, it just gets so... And what Peter's saying and what I'm hoping that we can just get our hearts under today is this. You are waiting for a king. And the way that you wait really, really, really matters. Maybe we could just gather that up into our hearts for a second before we finish. Could you bow your head for just a moment? Lord, I, um, I hope our fragile words have been useful to you today. I know that you're coming and you're coming soon. And we want to wait for you well. And we want to wait for you with enthusiasm. And, and we... Uh, We don't want to get impatient or off track or misaligned or run off in some other way that you don't. And so, Lord, I'm just asking, would you fuel us up today again with strength to wait well? In fact, I didn't have this plan, but I just want to pray for it. Is there, is there anybody that would say, I need a prayer because I'm struggling with what I'm waiting for right now? Is there anybody that would take that prayer today? Yeah, I see you guys. Yeah. Yeah, there's people all over the room. I'm going to pray for you in just a second. Lord, would you pour a spirit of your peace and your trust on every person who's struggling with what they're waiting for right now? Would you, would you pour on them, Lord, again? We need you. Every hour, we need you. Help us not to lean on our own understanding, Lord, but in all the ways that we know how, we want to honor you while we're waiting for you to do your work. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you agree, please say amen.
This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.